Hello strangers, my name is Rose Gothop. I am the writer-director of this podcast and I want to welcome you to The Greenlands Presents. This podcast is all about the magical world of the Greenlands. If you want more information about the Greenlands or want to submit a script or be involved in the project as a voice actor or even just, you know, throw money at us, check out our website at the-greenlands.com the-greenlands.com or tweet at us on Twitter at GreenlandsThe or Instagram. These also will be put on YouTube. I want to thank our cast from this week's episode of The Night's Erratic, the second in our cycle of six stories. Thank you to Crispin Holland, Sam Parry, Linda Dutson, Helen Vary, David McCran, and Revealed, James Hare, Zoe Cunningham, and Alex Garden. Weslingham, Sadler's Shop. Morning. Quinn walks in through the open doorway and nods at the saddler and the weasley-looking young man who is holding what Quinn perceives to be his and Adamant's saddlebags. Quinn adjusts his demeanour to that of an arrogant retainer from an aristocratic household. He swaggers up to the counter. Good day, good saddler. Make haste, sirrah. My master, the baron, is passing through and wants a couple of saddlebag pairs for his cook and wally de chambre. Uh, yes, master, uh, certainly. Uh, does he want it new or used? Oh, used will be fine for mere servants. If you give them to me, I will ask the baron if they suit, and I'll return with the gold. There is hurried whispering between the thief and the saddler. The saddler pulls the squire's bags from the reluctant thieves' hands and hands them over to Quinn. Yeah. How do I know he's from the baron then, eh? Quinn stares at him as if he is filth. Quinn arrogantly removes one of the pilgrim's permits and drops it on the counter. The saddler gazes slack-jawed at it. It has a seal which Quinn then breaks. He then thrusts it at the saddler, who attempts to read it, which he obviously can't do. Do you see the signature of the great Baron Rethnak? The saddler looks at the bottom. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, well, this is all in order, my master. Quinn refolds the document and puts it in his jerkin. He then takes the saddlebags from the saddler and nods coolly in his direction as he turns to go. I'll send a footboy with the gold, if my master approves of these. Good day, sirrah. Quinn strides haughtily out, while the saddler bows and pulls his forelock, and Jem stares slack-jawed. You'd better give me my money, then. When I get mine? Eh. Anyway, what sort of letter was that Baron's letter? I don't read that fast. It said something about provision for pilgrims. Behind him, outside the window, Quinn breaks into a run. What? Those things are to a penny. That doesn't mean that he was an actual Baron's servant, then, did it? Eddie's his teeth. I'll get the others and we'll hunt them down. He runs outside to look, but can't see any more. Woods, morning. Jem gallops up and screeches to a halt when he gets to the gang's clearing. He sees the two bodies of his cronies and is horrified. He wheels around and canters back away. Weslingham, courtyard of inn number one. Morning. Jem gallops into the yard, jumps down from his horse, which he ties up and then heads towards the door. He is dishevelled and horrified. The girlfriend comes out of the door with some washing to hang. She sees him and is startled at his appearance. Jem runs up to her and seizes both of her arms. Ow! What are you... Jem shakes her. What did you do with that horse I gave you, eh? Where'd you put it? The girl wrenches herself free. 
You get off me, Jem Hargreaves. It's in the stable, innit? Did you meet three men? Did you tell them about our hiding place? She rubs her arm and looks around truculently. Paint none of your business who I met. You did, didn't you? Drat it. You told them. Where are they now? The girl sniffs and looks wounded and sorry for herself. Very sweet gentlemen, if you want to know. They was very nice to me. They're over at the other inn, if you must know. Now leave me alone. Well, I'm going to tell the mayor that's, that them's his killers and should be strung up. The girl shrugs and flounces off with her washing. Jem rebounds and gallops away. Village outside inn number one. Morning. Adamant and Quinn smile and get up to welcome Morag as they see him arrive. He is leading their two horses and they walk towards him. They slow down when they see his stormy appearance and that his arm and hand are covered in blood. Were the horses hidden inside the men or something? Morag actually looks embarrassed and avoids Adamant's eye. He sees the saddlebags and points. Yeah, without gruesomely killing anyone. Morag hands the rein of both horses to Quinn. Morag shrugs and Adamant goes back to the inn table to fetch the bags. I don't trust them to stay dead. Adamant hands Quinn's bags to him and they proceed to fasten them on. Quinn mounts and Adamant is just starting to mount when Jem comes racing into the street and sees them. He pulls up his horse abruptly a little distance away. Hey you! You're killers you are! Killers! We're going to come and get you. Adamant swiftly bounces. Try me, brat. Morag goes for his sword, but the other two boys grab his horse's reins and gallop him out of town. Road, morning. The boys are riding slowly and Adamant is trying to rouse Morag from his silence, chattering and pointing things out. They come to a stream and Adamant points. Look, you can wash the blood off and we saved some food for lunch so we can stop and eat. Morag nods. They dismount and tie the horses to trees. The squires go down to the river and wash their hands and arms. Did you kill them both? Yes. Did you have to kill them? Morag stares at him. Well, I could have asked two armed men politely to return our horses. I know I'm going to be a knight. And knights are all about slaying people. And you seem to make it look so easy. I really don't see myself as being able to. They sit by the horses and Adamant gets the food cloth out. I believe a true hero should try to limit his killing. Simply knock the villains out or scare them away. Yeah, and then they will come back with more men and they will catch you and stick knives into you and break your sisters and your mothers and... Oh, gods. Stop, stop. I just want lunch, not a dose of trauma. Morag shrugs and starts to wipe off the dried blood. The North may be a dark and terrible place, but I promise you, my friend, here it is more civilised and we will never put a knife in your back. We are knights and heroes, not traitors. If I have a quarrel with you, I will face you like a man. Why, thank you, Master Civilized. Ugh, all this hero talk. I just want to find myself a quiet fort where I can sit and read and not bother about anyone. You are so antisocial. You make Morag sound charming. Anyway, we got our horses and gear back and probably decreased the local crime rate by like 50%. So all's well that ends well. Yes, There is one good thing about my method. The rate of repeat offending is non-existent. Quinn snorts into his food and Adamant pats his back, trying to get him to breathe. Country Lane, near Cottage Garden, afternoon. The squires are slowly walking their horses along a lane when they see a large, ugly old goblin in his cottage garden trying to dig with his left arm in a sling. He's having a hard time 
a young human woman is weeding nearer to the road wall. As the squires ride past, Quinn addresses the maid over the wall. Good morrow, mistress. Excuse me, fair maid, but could we please possibly have our water sacks filled? Please. The maid comes over to him on her side of the wall. The girl nods and smiles shyly. They start to hand them over, while the large goblin looks up suspiciously at them. Thank you, mistress. Look, I'll carry and hold them, whilst you fill them, perhaps. Quinn slips off his horse and hands the reins to Adamant. The goblin comes forward. I'll do it, Maisie. The girl stands back and the goblin nods at and signals to Quinn as to where to go, that is, in the cottage. The goblin ambles off, with Quinn following with the water sacks. This digging work and such like must be very hard for your, uh, your father with his bad arm. Oh, yes. He twisted it summit bad a week ago, and if we don't get this kale in in time for the rains, we won't be having greens all winter now. Well, we can't have a fair maid and her father struggling when there are brave knights like ourselves now, can we? He nods for agreement to Morag. Morag looks around at all of the garden that needs digging and planting, and smiles in a sickly fashion. Oh, no. We'll do your digging for you, fair maid. Oh, that's very... Father! The goblin re-emerges with Quinn carrying the water bottles. These gentlemen have kindly offered to do our digging for us. Oh, that's good. Thank you, gentlemen, but we can only accept this if you will have bed and board with us this evening. Accepted, Sarah. He looks round at the other two. Ready for a bit of gardening, you two? The other two squires nod unenthusiastically, dismount and lead their horses into the garden. Quinn accidentally driving his spade onto Morag's foot, Morag hopping around and cursing him. Adamant industrially and preoccupiedly digging and hurling the soil backwards where it shouldn't go and it hitting the goblin in the face. The goblin father stands up annoyed and then in turn stands and watches, amazed that someone can be so useless at digging. The daughter coming out with a tray of tankards of beer for her father and the men. They pause, take and drink their beers, smile and toast, salute each other. Morag actually getting to enjoy the hard work and digging rhythmically with quiet enjoyment. Goblin cottage, living room, evening. The men are seated around the table near the fire. They have all just finished their cooked meal. The daughter is siding the plates and bringing out the cheese and bread. She pours them some more beer and then sits in one of the larger armchairs by the fire nearby. The goblin, seated at one of the ends of the table, belches and then stretches. He is obviously a bit drunk. His left arm is still in a sling. He shakes his head to clear it. Well, I must say, I haven't done too bad, you know. Oh, <laughs> we're picking it up. I still suspect that your daughter is better than me at digging. What do you mean, uh, daughter? Oh, uh, just that she seems uh, a little fairer than you, sir, which is obvious because uh, fair maidens don't usually look... He means that she is lovely and you are not. I suppose your wife was human then. The goblin pushes away his chair and staggers to his feet. Are you implying that my wife did bad with marrying an ugly goblin like me then, eh? I did not say that you are ugly in particular. Adamant and Quinn, on their side of the table, facing the fire, roll their eyes. 
That just means that all goblins are a bit uh, hasslish. Well, the bleeding elders, that means Sonny Milad. Well, in my country, they say goblins were born from the broken clay left over from making humans. The goblin roars and tackles Morag. He's quite a bit smaller than Morag, and Morag seems to find the whole thing amusing. He is so drunk, he falls over and flails at the goblin with a breadstick, shouting and hollering in his own language. The two boys and Maisie try to drag them apart. Father! Father, these are our guests! They manage to separate the goblin and Morag and Maisie turns to the squires. Gentlemen, please, the barn. Go sleep in the barn. He'll he'll be fine presently. The squires replace the bread and quickly go outside, manhandling a drunken Morag between them. Morag starts to sing and laugh. Goblin's barn, night. The squires are lying down in the straw, and Quinn is still fidgeting. The daughter comes into the barn, carrying three blankets and a small jar. Adamant sits up when she draws close to them. Sorry about father. He gets a bit sore about being a goblin sometimes. Look, I'm going to the market to meet my betrothed tomorrow. If you wish, I'll show you the way to the village, because it's a bit windy and out the way. You can get some lunch there then. She gives them both a blanket and then puts the other on Morag. Thanks, Macy. We apologise for Moragu. He's not known for his tact normally, but it seems he's worse while drunk. I'm just glad he didn't hurt your father. Maisie smiles embarrassedly at him and shyly hands him the small jar. She shrugs. Just some sweetmeats for you. She goes out. Adamant lies down again, looking sideways on at Quinn. Oh, uh, sweets for the sweet, eh? Morag snorks loudly in his sleep and turns over. Adamant opens his sweets. Well, not every woman in the Greenland fancies you, you know. He eats a sweet and offers one to Adamant, who dismisses them with a wave. No, no, retain the offerings of thy fair maid, sir. This knight would keep his pearly whites. Adamant grins in a rictus, displaying his teeth. He rolls over to sleep, and Quinn quietly smiles to himself while chewing his sweet. Country Lane, morning. The squires are walking along, leading their horses and Maisie's walking with them, carrying a covered blanket. Morag is very hungover, and is half lying on his horse. Sorry about my father. He only gets a bit grumpy when he's been drinking. Not always. You must have the patience of a saint. Living with grumpy parents isn't easy. Well, I'm about to swap one grumpy parent for a worse one, I suspect. Why is that? When we marry, I'll be living with my mother-in-law until we can save for a house for ourselves. Is she unpleasant? She doesn't want me marrying her son and will probably make my life hellish. Ugh. Best run away together and live in the wilds. Well, no money and no work, if so. Ah, just poison the old bag. Maisie points to the buildings in the distance. Don't encourage me. Look, the village is here where you can buy your lunch. I'm meeting my betrothed near the Watergate. I'll introduce you. Village. Morning. The squires and Maisie enter the village and see Maisie's fiancé and a sour-faced middle-aged woman standing waiting for them near the gate. Maisie goes up to them whilst signalling to the squires to accompany her. Here he is, John. Hello. Uh, Hello, Mistress Munchkins. Maisie curtsies. Can I introduce my new acquaintances, the Honourable Master Brethnach and Masters Halstatten and Smith? John bows awkwardly 
and the squires bow back. Morag half salutes from his prowl position on horseback. Pleased to make your acquaintance, masters. This is my mother, Mistress Muckins. The older woman purses her lips and looks them up and down, sourly and suspiciously. <laughs> the three squires bow. Pleased to make your acquaintance, Mistress Muckins. We won't keep you as we are going to have a look around and then find somewhere for lunch. Yes. Quinn turns to Maisie. Good day, mistress. Thank you again for your and your father's hospitality. Pray give him our best wishes. Maisie curtsies. Thank you again, good sirs. The boys turn and walk their horses away. Yeesh, and I thought my aunties were bad. The other two snort and try to hide their laughter. The local abbey's garden, morning. The abbot, a robust managerial type of middle-aged man, is supervising a couple of monks weeding. He looks up in surprise to see Mistress Muckins hurrying towards him. Mistress Muckins opens the gate and hurries to him. She secretly beckons the abbot away from his two acolytes. He walks over to join her. Good morning, mistress. To what do I owe the pleasure of your company so early this morning? I have an evil to report, your grace. The abbot becomes much more interested and confiding. Indeed, mistress. And what is the nature of this evil? You already know that wanton who is reckoning on marrying my son, do you not? Ah, yes. Ah, the girl with the, um, unfortunate father. Well... After three young squires slept under father's roof, this morning she wandered about the countryside with these men, behaving as she could and and doing what she would. Indeed. And this very strumpet intends to steal my John. Abbott stands back and puts his hands on his hips. He looks very serious. Hmm. I will order out a group of my lay brothers of arrest and make out a warrant for these young men's and Maisie's arrest immediately. I want to have the organising of it. Indeed, good lady. You may take charge of these lay brothers and direct the arrest. Mistress Muggins nods her head triumphantly and smiles sourly. Abbott's study, morning. The door is thrown open dramatically, and Mistress Muggins marches in with her head held high. She marches up to stand in front of the abbot's desk where he sits. Six hulking lay brothers manhandle the three squires into the room. Two other lay brothers enter and stand on each side of the door with their staffs in their hand. The squires angrily shake themselves free of the brothers, then stand in front of the desk fuming. Your brothers have arrested these miscreants, my lord, and I hope that with your justice we'll be dealing with them shortly. By what right are we arrested, sirrah, and what is the charge? By the abbot of Riversmead, young man, and the charge is the seduction of a betrothed bride of this village. That's ridiculous. How can her showing us the way to the village be seduction? You're morons. This is just trumped up. Just you wait till you're in dock, me lad. Interfering with my boy's betrothed. Just Take you... them away. The lay brothers grab the squires and manhandle them again out of the study, accompanied by outraged squawks from the squires. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Night's Erratic. I hope you enjoyed it. If you could drop us a like, subscribe, or review on iTunes, or recommend us to a friend who just needs a laugh, please do. We're just starting out and every little thing helps. If you want to get involved in the creative side of things as a scriptwriter or an actor or a musician, etc., please contact us. I'd love to hear from you. I'd like to thank our editors Adam Finn and Matthew McGuinness and our musician David Berlin for pulling together our disparate elements. We'll have another episode out soon. See you then.